In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and to the ages of all ages, amen. Jesus is born. Humanity is united with the divinity of God and our humanity and our shattered, fragmented humanity is brought back together and recapitulated, as the fathers say, in the person of Jesus Christ. And all is well and everything is good and Emmanuel, God is here. And, and, and the, the good news, the best news that could ever be that God has come to us. And we spoke a little bit about that uh, on the eve of the Feast of the Nativity on Christmas Eve, uh, that it completely changes the paradigm of religion of that time. And of our time, just we've been living in a Christian society for so long that we're so used to this idea that God is the one who comes to us, that God is the one who comes and knocks on your door and is asking you to open that he might dine with you. In every other religion, in every other worldview that has a deity of which I am aware, we have to go to God. We have to find God. We have to please God. But the nativity has changed the paradigm completely. And so everything is good, right? And the world is at peace and everything is great and everybody's going to get along, right? No. When Jesus is about two years old, the history of the church tells us, which was in the Synexarium, the Magi come to visit Jesus and they had been following the star for years. They were traveling from per Persia or that the east that area and they've been following it for years and around the time Jesus is two years old they come and they go to Herod and they tell him where is where will the, the, the Christ child be born this Christ child who's this He's the new king he's like king I'm the king right and then he tells them Find him and then tell me where he is that I might come and worship him. Of course, he had no intention of that, but rather to kill him. And then after they go and they worship Jesus and they bring him their gifts, and they, they see in a dream that they should go back to their country a different way. And so they go back a different way. And then Herod goes nuts. He, he, was, he was pretty nuts anyways. He killed a whole bunch of people. He killed several of his wives. He was Herod the Great. His son, Herod Antipas, and then he had... He had three other brothers and Philip and so on. They were all, they, they weren't the greatest of people either. But Herod the Great, he was totally crazy. He, he was a, a madman. He, he killed everybody, right? And so it was sort of in his MO. Then, okay, well, let's just kill all the children that are two years, male children that are two years and under in the whole region of, of Bethlehem, right? Now, I want to take just a step back from this story and reflect for a second. Because Christ is born. God has come and visited us. God is, is with us. And this madman is running around, like this infanticidal madman is running around slaughtering infant children. Like, how? that's not how the story is supposed to go. 
Jesus is supposed to come, and then everything is supposed to be good, right? And this is, and, and I'm not t- talking just about some historical event 2,000 years ago, but in our own lives too. Many people come to God, and they have a turning point in their lives, and they meet God for real, and they decide to have a real, living, deep relationship with God, and they seek Him with all their hearts, and they see Him, and they touch Him, and they witness to Him, and their witness is so convicting because they know it's true. And then all this bad stuff starts to happen in their lives. And then you think to yourself, wait a minute. Like, isn't it supposed to be the other way around? You have all this bad stuff, and then you come to God, and then... And I'm not saying that if you come to God, all this bad stuff will happen in your life. But what I am certainly saying is that just because God is here, because He is present, because He is born, and He is amongst us, doesn't mean that the crazy Herod, infanticidal Herods, are not still roaming the earth and doing all kinds of crazy bad stuff. Well, how do we reconcile that in our minds, right? How do we make sense of that? Something which has done us a bit of an injustice or a disservice is this phrase, God is in control. Because if God is in control, then why is Herod running around slaughtering small children and other maniacs running around torturing you in your life? If God is here, God is present, you have a real relationship with God to which you can witness. You have met Him, you have seen Him, you have tasted Him, you have heard Him. He's real and you are certain without a shadow of a doubt that He is. But the maniacs are still out there And they're still hurting you and me. So how do we make sense of that? So the phrase God is in control is true within certain parameters and is not true for the rest. Let me explain. God is in control and as part of his unlimited control and his unlimited joy in us and his love for humanity, he gives us freedom. Because freedom is part of the image of God that he has put in us. It's part of our personhood. It's part of our makeup. It's part of what makes us like him, that we are free. Free to do a whole bunch of things, but most importantly, free to love. And without that freedom, we become robots. Without that freedom, we become pre-programmed robots that have no capacity to choose. And some pure atheists would agree that 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 is indeed the case, that there is indeed no such thing as freedom, but we're not going to go there. But it is a very interesting, although dark and nihilistic conversation, but we can certainly have that some other time. Staying on point here, God gives us freedom. Given freedom, you are free to do good and bad to yourself and to others, right? And so, although one has chosen to enter into communion with God and live in union with God, that doesn't then take away the freedom from the Herods of this world and the Herods in your life. They're still out there and they're still crazy and they're still trying to hurt people, right? So what's the benefit of all of this? 
So then, in, so then what, in what sense is God in control? He's in control, and in his control, he chooses to abdicate his control? Like, what sense, where's the, where is the, that's just, where is the sanity in that, right? Ah, but why does he, why does he give us freedom? To give us autonomy. Why to give us autonomy? To give us freedom to choose and freedom to love. Okay. So, and in that freedom, in that freedom that we have, each person is free whether to follow God or not to. If you choose to follow God, if you choose to follow God, part of that following Him, Jesus tells us, is to surrender our freedom. So all of a sudden, God, is, God loses His control by giving us freedom. He regains control in a, an individual person's life when we choose to surrender our freedom. God can't be in control and I have my freedom all at the same time. Either I'm free to do whatever I want, but then God says, okay, you're free. I don't want, I respect you way too much to infringe on your freedom. I respect the Herods of this world, but I, and I also respect you. So really, it's like it's mutually exclusive. Either you choose to have your freedom, or you choose for God to be in control in your own life. Okay, Father John, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to surrender my freedom. I choose to give it all up. I choose to follow him. I choose to deny myself, to pour myself out, all of those things that, again, are beautiful things that we could talk about and learn to live together another day, right? So God is now in, his, is in control of my life because I have surrendered my freedom. So now the Herods are going to leave me alone. No, they're not, <laughs> right? No, they're not. Because God is now in control of your life. He's not in control of theirs. So the Herods are still out there. But see, this is... Where, this is where the rest of our readings carry on and are so beautiful. So the story doesn't end there. Herod slaughters a whole bunch of children like a madman. The end. No, there's another chapter, right? The angel appears to Joseph, tells him, go down to Egypt. And he goes down to Egypt and they spend a few years there in Egypt and then they return. Now, this business of going down to Egypt is ultra significant, not because I am of an Egyptian ethnic heritage, right? You know, that, that's, you know, for sure, that, that, that's an interesting point. But um, the point is, is that Jesus has come. Emmanuel, God is here in Bethlehem, in Jerusalem, amongst the people of God. But right from the beginning of the story, Jesus goes to the Gentiles. And that's what the rest of the readings were telling us. The reading of the book of, the, the book of Acts and the reading in the Pauline was telling us this contention that existed between Jews and Gentiles in first century Christianity, whether the Gentiles could actually be Christians or did they have to become Jews first or all of this. And all of the readings we were reading were saying, folks, give the Gentiles a break. Jesus came to them as well. So the Herods out there are going to try to do bad stuff. But when our lives are surrendered to God, He takes all the bad in our lives 
and makes good of it. He takes the bad in our life and makes good of it. So the point is this, God, when you, for God to be in control of your life, you must surrender your freedom. You do that, God becomes in control of your life. But the, 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 the psychopaths, the maniacs out there, the infanticidal Herods out there are still out there trying to hurt you. And some of them will be successful. I'm so sorry to be so like, uh, you know, real and true about it, right? And they will, and they will, and they will, and they will do bad to you, for real. But the story doesn't end there. And don't allow yourself for a moment to believe that the next page in the book says the end, because it doesn't. Because the next page in the story says, and God did. And the product of the slaughter of the innocents was that from the very beginning of the story of the life of Jesus, it was beyond clear that Jesus was a person for all people, for all nations. And the only reason he went to Egypt was because of the slaughter of the innocents. And those 144,000, as the church tells us, as they, they make a reappearance, those children of Bethlehem in the book of Revelation, right? They, they are like given the highest place in the kingdom of heaven. And in uh, some songs of St. Ephraim, some hymns of St. Ephraim, he, he, he writes like a, a hymn, if I remember it correctly. I didn't read it in preparation for the sermon, but I'm just remembering it right now. If I remember it correctly, he writes this hymn, which is a hymn of thanksgiving, Get this, from Christ to the children of Bethlehem. That they surrendered themselves to slaughter, that he might be evicted from his homeland to go and be an itinerant in all the world and bring the good news of the incarnation to all the world before he comes back to fulfill our salvation in the Holy Land. What glory, what glory, what glory that the church has found in, in all of these things. So, to summarize, to be brief, what a, what a horrible story, this infanticidal Herod. How terrible, and how could that happen in the context of the presence of God Almighty on earth? Isn't God's presence in our lives supposed to make every, everything perfect? No, not necessarily. When we surrender our freedom to God, He becomes control in control of our lives, not, uh, not everybody else's life. But then, as He becomes in control of our lives, He takes all the evil and all the wickedness and all the badness which is dealt us, and He makes out of it beautiful things, glorious things, and He doesn't let the story end there. So sit tight and wait for the next chapter as you surrender your life to God. Glory be to God forever and ever. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.